0: best friends. I'm Tabby. And I'm Caitlin. And today we are doing Poetry Corner featuring the works of Shel Silverstein.
1: So just a little bit of background about our boy Shel. He is an entrepreneur. He really made a name for himself. So he was actually born in Chicago in 1930. I did not think he was that old.
0: Wow. nineteen. <laughs> yeah, 1930.
1: Before World War II, he was born.
0: Wow. Um.
1: So he is not only an American writer and poet, but he was also a cartoonist, a sing- singer-songwriter, a musician, and a playwright. Talented and he was very successful in All of these categories. So some songs you may know by him. I don't know if you've ever heard a song or the song called A Boy Named Sue. I've not. It's one of my favorite Johnny Cash songs. He actually wrote that for Johnny Cash and won a Grammy for it.
0: Amazing. Um,
1: He's also written popular songs like uh, the cover of The Rolling Stones, I'm Checking Out, and Ones on the Way, which were all used in like a lot of TV shows and movies in the early 90s and 2000s.
0: I wonder if I would recognize them if I heard them. I bet Probably you would. would. That's cool. I bet you
1: would. Um, he also rose to fame in the uh, 50s for his adult-oriented articles. Uh, he notably was a cartoonist and writer for Playboy. He was very, very good friends with Hugh Hefner. And his, one of his baby mamas was actually a Playboy bunny.
0: Amazing.
1: Yeah, super fun of him. Um, Before he started writing for children, he published under the name of Uncle Shelby, which is creepy.
0: Yeah, Um, I kind of hate that.
1: (laughs) But one of his first books was Uncle Shelby's ABZ book, which uh, was an adult-oriented alphabet book,
0: also probably for Playboy. I was like, I don't know what that Um, means, but okay.
1: So he was eventually persuaded to start writing children's work by his editor. Um, her name was Ursula Nordstrom. Um, And some of his, you know, pretty wildly acclaimed books are like The Giving Tree, Where the Sidewalk Ends, and A Light in the Attic. Those are, I think, probably his three most famous pieces of work. So he actually did not graduate from college. He was drafted into the military before he finished school Um, and so he is not trained in poetry or in writing anything like that and that is why you see such a unique um, form when it comes to his poetry it's very conversational it's very casual Um, and it kind of sets him apart I think from a lot of I guess more notable poets Mm -hmm. I feel like it's probably more common now because poetry has become more of like whatever fits your own style type right. thing. But I feel like he kind of paved the way for that.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Some of it is, you know, kind of Buddy Wakefield-esque and I really I enjoy say. that.
0: Yeah. It kind um, of feels like spoken word a little mm-hmm. bit.
1: So I feel like maybe Buddy Wakefield probably draws some inspiration from Shel Silverstein. Um like I said he never married he did have two children though uh, Shoshana and Matthew. Um so his daughter Shoshana actually died at the age of 11 from an aneurysm Aww. which is really sad. Um but a light in the attic was written in dedication of her memory.
0: Oh my god I did not covering.
1: even <laughs> So he accomplished a lot in his, unfortunately, very short life. He did die of a heart attack at the age of 68 Mm -hmm. um, and left a very large legacy in his wake. His son, Matthew, is actually a singer-songwriter as well.
0: Well, rest in poetry, Shell. Yeah. Is that insensitive? Super
1: fun. No. I'm sure he would have liked it. He seemed like that type of guy. (laughs) Perfect. We know him personally, too. So we'll start with our poems. I actually chose two kind of shorter poems, but I feel like they are, there's a lot to unpack in these very short poems, which I feel like could be said for a lot of his words. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first one I chose was how many, how much. Um, So it starts, how many slams in an old screen door? Depends on how loud you shut it. How many slices in a bread? Depends on how thin you cut it. How much good inside a day? Depends on how good you live them. How much love inside a friend. Depends on how much you give them. The poem, he uses iambic pentameter. You can tell because it like has kind of that rhythmical feel to it. Kind of like mm-hmm. a heartbeat. Um, for the rhyme scheme, he used X-A-B-A, X-C-B-C. Which is, I feel like, one of the more common patterns. In the very short poem, it's only eight lines long. It depicts it could be portrayed as one or two speakers and um, it could also be like kind of like an internal monologue if you want to look at it that way yeah. as well where one is asking questions the other is giving answers the main theme of the poem is that you only get what you're willing to put into something whether you know that be something negative something positive something that's really you know important something that maybe it's just more of like a common day thing um but that's always going to be what you see in return
0: I love that. I haven't heard that one before.
1: It is, I believe, from where the sidewalk ends. Both of mine are from where the sidewalk ends. Yeah. Good one. Which is one of my favorite books.
0: Um. Yeah. So I'll start with my first one, which is Falling Up, which is from the book Falling Up. Okay. So Falling Up. I tripped on my shoelace and I fell up, up to the rooftops, up over the town, up past the treetops, up over the mountains up where the colors blend into the sounds. But it got me so dizzy when I looked around, I got sick to my stomach and I threw down. So this poem, first thing that we probably notice is there is like some rhyme and near rhyme throughout, but it doesn't have like a super structured rhyming scheme. But like there's, town mountains sounds around and down are kind of like almost every other line um but it doesn't have like a super like strong like cadence to it um also uh something fun that he does is it's called anaphora which is repeating the first word or phrase of a sentence so when it's up to the rooftops up over the town up past the treetops and that's something that you see a lot um in like speeches when people are really emphasizing something so that's really emphasizing the the like you know being up in the sky and flying around part of the poem and then there's also the fact that the narrator of this poem fell up and they threw down which I had a hard time landing on which term actually like fits this the best because there's Neologism, which is like creating your own words. So, I don't really think it's that so much as it is a spoonerism, but I had never heard of a spoonerism before. Ooh, I haven't either. Um, and traditionally, spoonerisms are unintentional. So, it would be like saying, You have hissed the mystery lectures instead of you have missed the history lectures. So, it's like flipping the wrong, like you flip the wrong letter. Or something, And so it makes it a little nonsensical. Um, but I don't know if there's an exact term for what it is he's done here. <laughs> anyway, I interpret this poem as a metaphor for growing up. So for me, it paints this image of a little boy. He trips on his shoelace. Um, so it's like he's probably young. Maybe he doesn't know how to tie his own shoes. But he trips and when he falls, he falls up. Or I think grows up and he's flying high through the sky. He's absolutely loving it. He's flying over mountains. He's like, this is so dope. And he's loving all this newfound freedom that's coming with growing up. But then he grows up enough to realize that actually it's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> he takes a look around and becomes sick to his stomach and immediately just plummets from his carefree mindset. And he's like, and and then I threw down.
1: Got that Icarus effect.
0: Mom, I threw down. Yeah, he he did be flying too close to the sun. <laughs> um, but I think it's a really cute little poem about, about growing up.
1: And I think what I love, you know, the most about Shel Silverstein is that even though he did choose to write, you know, children's literature, um, he did so in a way that was still, you know, kind of preparing them for the real world.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll touch on that more, too, in this in the second poem that I chose. So, the second poem I chose is Masks, which I think is
1: probably one of his most popular ones. Yeah, it's a good um, one. But it starts, She had blue skin, and so did he. He kept it hid, and so did she. They searched for blue, their whole life through, then passed right by and never knew. So um, for this poem, Silverstein, once again, uses the iambic pentameter, and the rhyme scheme is A, B, A, B, but then C, C, D, C. So it's a really short eight line poem, but it carries a lot of different meanings, I think. So I think just at face value, obviously, they're talking about, you know, their outward appearance, the way they look. Um, there is a little bit of anxiety that comes with you know, how they view themselves or how other people view them. And so they decide to, like, hide who they are. And by doing so, they actually miss out on other people who are the same as them. So a misconnection. You know, there's also a lot of symbolism that goes into this that could also be compared to some real-life issues with, you know, race, skin color, um, orientation. So, like, outward appearance. So I think it touches quite a—it's a symbolism for alienation. And that people feel like they have to hide who they truly are so that they, I guess, fit in a little bit more with what is considered normal or general in the population. But in doing so, you're not seeing other people who, you know, empathize with you or are the same as you. And so everybody just is hidden behind a mask.
0: Yeah. That's deep.
1: It is deep. (laughs) It was a deep poem for only being eight lines.
0: I know. He's so good at it. So, the second poem I chose is A Light in the Attic. I actually did not know it was written in memory of his daughter that had passed away. Mm -hmm. But that makes it even more touching, honestly. So, A Light in the Attic. There's a light on in the attic, though the house is dark and shuttered. I can see a flicker and flutter, and I know what it's about. There's a light on in the attic, I can see it from the outside, and I know you're on the inside, looking out. Mm -hmm. Something neat about this poem is it's free verse so there's not, like, a set rhythm to it, but there is um, rhyme. But again, because it's not quite this, it doesn't follow, like, iambic pentameter or anything like that, it doesn't have, like, a super set pattern to the rhyming. Um, shuttered and flutter go together, about um, and out at the very end go together. So a light on in the attic is a phrase that means someone is bright or smart. So what I think is an interpretation of this poem is that the narrator is observing a young person or someone who's not confident in their themselves or their abilities, and this person is afraid and they keep their house dark and shuttered off to the scary world around them. Um, but the narrator knows that this person is bright and capable. But the person on the inside of the house can't see their own light on in the attic because they're looking out the window instead of in. And so it's kind of like your mentor knows that you're capable and smart and bright, but you aren't seeing yourself the way that your mentor sees you or your loved one sees you. But I think that's just like, it probably has even more meetings now that I know that it's dedicated to his daughter's memory. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, if we'll ever really know what he meant, because it's probably something personal.
1: Because then when you see, like, there's light on in the attic, I can see it from the outside, and now you're on the inside looking out, like, it could be, like, you know, he maybe sees reminders of his daughter. He maybe reminders. sees, like, like the ghost of her and things, and
0: then she's like looking down on him mm-hmm. from the afterlife, or you know, some version of that. And or maybe like the house is dark and shuttered. That could be,
1: you know, just how he views like his own life or like himself. Right. And like, yeah, now that his her memory is like gone. her
0: bright light. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's just amazing that poems can have so many meanings. Um, but I would like to say, in conclusion. Shell Silverstein's poetry is extremely valuable to young people, um, and old people. But I yeah. think like it's made for young people. Um, growing up is hard and it's scary, and Silverstein's work is really important because oftentimes it's goofy and it provides those kiddos with entertaining poems to read um, and learn about poetry. But he writes a lot of poems that have really meaningful messages to encourage and to intrigue young minds. So well, think-
1: and I wonder if that's the case because he has or he he did live such like a varied lifestyle that like yeah. he's probably seen it all and experienced it all. And it made it, you know, easier for him to write it in a way for like younger kids to understand.
0: Yeah, really. I think that like he just his poems are like that advice that you get. Maybe not even from your dad necessarily, but like your older brother or like it seems like someone who's older and wiser, but not necessarily your father figure. You know what I mean? Right. Like it seems like it's from like the fun uncle or like your your best friend's big sister. Like it's just- fun uncle Shelby. <laughs> your fun Uncle Shelby. Exactly. but But
1: that wraps up poetry corner was a nice short sweet little mini sode for you we are just a reminder covering promises and pomegranates next week so if you want to read it if you haven't started it please check your trigger warnings before beginning
0: so get started (laughs) on that book we'll talk to you next week and as always let's get lit